the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to a successful, godly marriage, the Holy Spirit is key to it all. From there, it is the obedience of the husband and the wife to the Holy Spirit. And that's the practical side we're looking at today. This is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. Welcome to our program today. We are back in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 33, as we continue our look at what a godly marriage is all about and the practical outworkings of a godly marriage found primarily in the role and responsibility of the husband and the wife. And that is where we find ourselves today. Join us for this very timely series, What is a Godly Marriage? Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. Husbands, let me give you this little piece of biblical counsel. Try blaming yourself more and your wife less and see what happens. Start trying to see yourself as a worse sinner than your wife and see what happens. 1 Corinthians 13 describes this God-like love. It says love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. In verses 28 and 29 of our text, it says this headship of love means that the husband is going to love his wife as himself. Let's read the text. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. Brothers, let's get one thing down pat. If you only remember one thing today, I want you to remember this. The major cause of failure in marriage is the love of self. Go back and take inventory of your marriage and see if that is not true. Self-love, selfishness, self-centeredness are the most destructive forces in the world and nothing destroys a marriage quicker than the outbursts and manifestations of self-love and self-concern. And ladies, the same goes for you. On the other hand, nothing strengthens or enriches a marriage like self-denial, love for God with all the heart, and loving one's wife with a love that 
we once had for ourselves. Understand that our wives are far more than our marriage partners. We are one flesh, it says in Scripture. We are members of one body. We are bone of each other's bone and flesh of each other's flesh. The structure of our lives is the structure of theirs. What gives their lives meaning gives our life meaning, men. And to use an old but accurate cliche, our wives are not simply our partners. They are our better half. Lloyd-Jones says, The whole of the husband's thinking must include his wife. He must never think of himself in isolation or in detachment from his wife. The moment he does so, he has broken the one fundamental principle of marriage, bone of bone and flesh of flesh. The Christian husband then must never have any desire for himself or his freedom or his own space as if he were complete in and of himself, unquote. Without your wife, brother, you are only half a man at best. As we live with our wives and as we live for our wives, then we are complete men. We must love our wives as part of ourselves. Therefore, just as the husband should not abuse the wife, neither should he ever neglect her. To abuse her is to abuse himself. And to neglect himself, and to neglect her is to neglect himself. And if the physical body is neglected or it is taken for granted, physical breakdown soon takes place and your marriage will fall apart. Notice what verse 29 goes on to say. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Here, Lloyd-Jones again. The wife is to be kept, preserved, guarded, shielded, provided for by the husband. That is the relationship. As Christ nourishes and cherishes the church, so the husband nourishes and cherishes his wife. And the wife should realize that. That is her position in this marriage relationship, unquote. I love those words, nourish and cherish. They are both words of tenderness and words of endearment, simple words with simple meanings. The word nourish in Greek means simply to feed. It means to provide food and nutriment to your wife, and the husband is to nourish his wife, and by doing so, to keep her healthy. In loving your wife, you are to provide for everything she needs to be healthy in every facet of her life. It is our responsibility to keep our wives healthy and to nourish them spiritually by having conversations about the Bible, having family devotions and prayer time together, not separate, although that's good too. It is our responsibility to nourish them spiritually, to nourish them physically, emotionally, intellectually, and socially. And so I ask you, husbands... Are you giving your wife the nourishment she needs? Or is your wife anemic physically and spiritually because of your failure to nourish her? The word cherish is a great word. 
It is actually one of those warm, fuzzy words because the word cherish in Greek means to warm. So you are to feed and warm your wife. It is to warm as a mother warms her infant in her bosom. And remember, this is addressed to men. You are to warn your, warm your wife as a mother warms her infant in her, her bosom. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, speaking as a man, Paul says, describing his relationship with the Thessalonians, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Now, that's not that macho, is it? Like, I treated you like a man should. I was just and I was strong and I was protective. I did everything a man is supposed to do in reference to you Thessalonian Christians. No. Paul said in an even more manly voice, I was your nursing mother. I tenderly cared for you as my little children. Listen to what John Calvin said about this verse. A husband nourishes and cherishes his wife as a mother in nursing her children. She manifests a certain rare and wonderful affection. Inasmuch as she uh, spares no labor and trouble, shows no anxiety, willing to put up with whatever pain, is wearied by no toil, and even with cheerfulness of spirit, gives her own blood to be sucked, unquote. Do you give your own blood to be sucked by your wife as you nurse her and cherish her? I think not. Or is that what you want her to do for you, brothers? Brothers, please try cherishing your wife. Try making her feel cherished. Jesus Christ in the highest and most complete sense nourishes and cherishes his bride, us. He patiently nourishes her so she will bloom and blossom, so she bears fruit for him. The whole time cherishing her with perfect tenderness and kindness. Having finished his redemptive work on the cross on her behalf, Jesus now continues to protect and to provide for her and to take care of us by his providence and all the things that happen to us, leading us and guiding us. In a thousand and one ways, Jesus nourishes and cherishes the church for whom he died. And brother, that is the Christ-like like way a husband is to love his wife softly and tenderly. Now, what are some of the hindrances to love in marriage? Let me just mention a few. Some of the hindrances of love on the part of the husband in marriage is wrong motives. It is difficult to love your wife the way Christ loves the church if your motives are not what they should be. And our motives are wrong if they are aimed at benefiting ourselves. So, brothers, I ask you to ask yourselves, why do you want to do for your wives? Why don't you do what is loving toward her? Ask God to search your heart and to show you any wrong motives you might have. And what are wrong motives? You do things for your wife 
to serve yourself. So you can feel good about yourself. So that you can get love or favors or intimacy. So she will be waiting, willing to wait on you and take care of you and fulfill you. And so you do things for her because you know you'll get something out of it. That is not the way Jesus loves us. And these are self-centered and wrong motives, brothers. What are the right motives? Well, you do it because you love God and you love her and you have absolutely no goal of personal benefit. You bring her flowers, not because of what you're hoping to get later in the evening. You are kind to her. You are sweet to her. You nourish and cherish her without any concerns for benefiting from what you are doing toward her. You do it because you love God and you know from his word that that is the way you are supposed to love your wife. And so then you love her. What's another right motive? Of course, to glorify God. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and that is a husband's chief end as well. It glorifies God when you do those loving things toward your wife. Another obstacle to love in marriage is pride. What a killer. A husband is proud when he focuses on himself when he is oriented toward pleasing and benefiting himself, when he refuses to admit that he needs counsel and correction, when he believes that he has nothing to learn about being a Christian husband and a Christian male. One of the most practical things in Stuart Scott's book, Exemplary Husband, is a series of charts on the very subject of hindrances to love. And on one side of these charts, it says proud thoughts and anxious to put off and actions to put off. And then on the other side, loving thoughts and actions to put on. Now, before I talk about this, understanding the imagery of putting off and the putting on is necessary. It comes out of the New Testament and the writings of Paul. He says to those who are new in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit within them, to live in a way that is consistent with what they now are. That you are new creatures. You've died to the old self. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now act like it. Put off your life anything that is inconsistent with or contrary to what you are now in Christ and put on those various traits and habits and virtues that are consistent with what you are now in Christ, knowing that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You put off those things that look like the old life. You put on those things that are consistent with what God has made you now to be because you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Now, let's talk about this little chart for just a minute. And those of you who have the book, go home and check this out. And men, you're going to see we are very often guilty of many of these things. Here are some proud thoughts that we are to put off. Why doesn't she think more about me? She loves the children more than me. 
Why isn't she doing more things for me? She knows I come home tired. My life is so hard. She should be more understanding. I'll never be what I should be like the Bible says I should be. Why even try? Woe is me, poor guy. I'll do what I'm supposed to do if she will do what she's supposed to do. I want to do what I want to do. I don't care what you say. I don't want to be communicative. I don't enjoy conversation. Here are some more thoughts to put off, and don't bring them up again to yourself. Brothers, what you've asked me to do is an inconvenient thing, and I don't want to be inconvenienced. Besides, she should do it my way anyway. I'm tired, and I'm not going to stop watching the TV because that's the only time I have to myself. I don't need her input. She just needs to listen to me. After all, she's blessed to have me. What is her problem? She should appreciate me more than she does. After all, I've been such a good husband. Now, in place of these thoughts, think these thoughts. Instead of saying, why doesn't she think of me and do more for me? Think, how can I do more for her? What is the picture I should have of her that is pleasing to God? What can I do for her? Instead of saying my life is so hard and she should be more sensitive to my needs, God help me say, how can I bless her whether I am weary or not? How can I bless my wife? Instead of saying I'll never be what I should be so there's no use in trying, pray, Lord, help me to please you by being the husband I should be and thank you that you have promised to help me grow. Instead of saying, well, I'll straighten up my life if she'll straighten up hers. Say, I'm going to do exactly what I'm supposed to do just to bless her. Whether she straightens up and is the wife she has been called to be or not. Instead of saying, I don't want to talk so much, say to yourself, I don't like to talk, but, I'm, but I will because I want to show my love for you, Lord, and to her as well. Instead of saying, well, I'm not going to do it because it's inconvenient, remind yourself that Christ was inconvenienced for you. Instead of saying, I'm tired, I'm going to just sit and watch TV tonight. Say, I'm tired, and I would love to watch TV. But Lord, give me the strength to love her the way she needs and wants to be loved. Instead of saying, she gets on my nerves because she's such a perfectionist, thinks, oh, she is so hardworking. I don't know where she gets the strength to do the stuff that she does. She has weaknesses but hey, I've got four more, far more than she does. Instead of thinking she is so blessed to have me, she should appreciate me more, say instead, if she has a problem with me, maybe I need to change. She probably has a point. I'm fine. I do everything right. Instead, say, I have not been completely faithful. God sets the standard and I fall woefully short and I must grow in my faithfulness to him. 
And then there are not only proud thoughts, but there are also proud actions that are to be put off and replaced with holy actions. Instead of you around your wife bragging about yourself, about how smart and wise and astute you are, and bragging about your accomplishments, let her hear you thank God for anything good that shows up in your life. Let her hear you thank God for any good accomplishments He, the Lord, has achieved through you. Instead of waiting or looking for her to love you or do for you first, you initiate action and affection and love. You do what you're supposed to do with reference to her without waiting for her to change. Sometimes instead of planning your day off around yourself, plan your day off around her and what she wants to do. Men, let me encourage you again to read Scott's book, The Exemplary Husband. There's a lot more, but the point is that pride is a great hindrance to your love for your wife. Fear is also a great hindrance to love. A husband is sinfully fearful when he is consumed with worry about the outcome of something that will affect him negatively or that might jeopardize his happiness or his comfort. Bitterness is another hindrance to love. A husband is bitter when he continually finds fault with his wife and finds it difficult to think good things about her or to do good things for her. And he often punishes his wife for the way he feels by withdrawing from her or by verbally attacking her or by making her life difficult for her. Preoccupation is a hindrance to love. A husband is sinfully preoccupied when he is consistently focused on other things of lower priority than his wife or when he is ignoring problems in the marriage. He is distracted by things of lesser importance to God then. And it is sinful to be money-oriented and success-oriented or leisure-oriented. Well, obviously, there are many more hindrances, and we must be aware of them all and watch out for them all. But let me just conclude with these words to husbands. As I began today, without love, your marriage is worthless. And Jesus says... You and I are the ones who are primarily responsible for getting and keeping love and tenderness in our marriage. Don't think tenderness and love are unmanly or unnecessary or feminine. It takes a strong man to be loving and tender toward his wife instead of nourishing and cherishing himself. Increasing in love for our wives must be a major pursuit in our lives as Christian men. Stuart Scott says, the exemplary husband's wife will never accuse him of not loving her because the message of his life will be so loud and so clear. The man who truly loves God will seek to love his wife with the love God has shown unto him. So husbands, As you seek to obey God, pray that he would work his kind of love in you and in your life. Plan and carry out what it is to show biblical love to your wife. And most likely, she will respond with enthusiasm. You know, in my years of counseling, 
I have never heard a wife say to me, Pastor, I need to come in for counseling. I need to have some help in my marriage. My husband is simply loving me too much. But men, regardless of your wife's response to your love, you are still called to be an exemplary husband in your love for her. Remember that one day we will stand before God and we will have to give an answer as how, how, as how to, we have or have not loved our wives. So let me close with this exhortation from the New Testament. Brothers, be imitators of God as his beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ also loved us or you. And gave himself up for us or you. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.